Cinebuds is brought to you by Associated Bank and Pizza Man. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey, hello, uh, Sir Christopher. I am 88.9's Justin Barney. <laughs> I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we're talking about The Green Knight. Friends. Brothers and sisters. Who can regale me and my queen with some myth? The Green Knight is the new movie based on the 14th century Arthurian poem, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It is an A24 production, the same production company who brought you our favorite, First Cow, and also The Lighthouse, and The Witch, and... Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yes, and... They're good. uh, They do good work. They do good work, and every single time they do something, they're just like so have this repu- have built this reputation of making movies that are stylish and beautiful. And The Green Knight is both stylish and beautiful. Uh, it was directed by David Lowry, who did Ghost Story. It stars uh, Dev Patel, who is a hunk the entire time. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, what did you think of The Green Knight? The, the thing we were both worried about was that like our expectations were super high. We, we couldn't yes, wait to were. watch this. I could not I, be higher. It, it didn't affect me. It was still a really, really impressive movie. Christopher, I saw it twice. What? I saw, I saw, I saw it yesterday and the day before. Wow. I okay. was like. Did you hate it? And you're like, I have to figure <laughs> out why I hated it. I just wanted to live in that world longer. Wow, that's great. I, yeah, I I really, I liked it a lot. It is a world that oh, uh, I would absolutely love to live in. I think Dev is absolutely uh, incredible. I think that the, I think that the plot was great and we'll get more into it uh, in the podcast. But the, I think the thing that you can't escape is, how just visually absolutely incredible it is. Yeah, well, for sure. It is just so well crafted visually. There's not a second that happens in this movie that is like, it's a movie that's like kind of wandering and meandering, but every single second there's something interesting visually happening. Yeah, they go, I mean, like a good legend, it goes in sections like this happens, then this obstacle happens, this encounter yep. happens, and then you get yep. to the end. It's a, uh, so I like that. And I genuinely, while I was watching it, I thought, this is how you make a movie about a legend. Like, not a legend like Michael Jordan. I mean, like a legend, <laughs> right, an right, Arthurian right, right. legend. This is the tone and the feel and the darkness that I would expect. Absolutely. And it's the darkness. And also there was like great bits of like reality of like how life was at that time. I thought it was like really authentic to the period. It was also really authentic to the poem. There there was like they have verse in the movie and they have like that the typography and the and the 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 name cards that say the different bits. It was just so reverent to the like source material and to the time it is absolutely like you said this is how you do a movie about legends 
um, by doing it like this. I absolutely, I I liked it a lot. And uh, well, and save it for the podcast, man. Save don't it give, for the pod. Don't give it all away. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe we'll he did it. like it. Maybe he's joking. So listen to the podcast. <laughs> okay, we are going to talk more about it right when we come back. Stick around. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. The car you're not using anymore, it's seen a lot of sunsets. Give it a new life and help us bring you great radio by donating it to Support Radio Milwaukee. We'll arrange the pickup and sale and we'll use the proceeds to bring you more music and stories. We accept all types of vehicles, cars, trucks, boats, and more. Scheduling your pickup is easy, and it can be more hundreds of dollars of support. Learn more at RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. And we're back. Oh, thank you for joining us. Sir Polly. I know. Um, I do feel like my name really just jives well with a sir in front of it. It does. It is unlikely to get me there, but we'll see. Well, uh, we were, as we were just saying uh, a bit before that the the thing that kind of like stuck that is inescapable even in the trailers for this movie is just how beautiful it is. Yeah. Um, what was uh, some like what made this movie different visually than other ones for you? Yeah, especially when like filming a period piece, this is a very different look to a period piece the costumes are at the same time you know what you'd expect of a medieval story but there's definitely a modern bent to the design of them totally um, i i wanted i the, yeah. okay but before you get we get to the crowns <laughs> i i like want that thing that dev was wearing that like yellow Oh, cape uh, kind like of thing? Cape kind yeah. of like, at, it was like also like kind of a hoodie. Right. And he like wore it in a bunch of different ways. And that is also like a character in itself in the whole movie. And yeah. I was like, I want that. And I love I thought the costumes were great. I know. And it, it, considering how dark the lighting is for a lot of the film, these bursts of color were really impressive. Like that yellow cape and then the green that comes out and the lighting effects. Sometimes it's like, intense red intense green intense yellow yeah so uh that was really cool the costumes were great crown game was on point like that's a cool crown man <laughs> and so and this movie had a budget of 15 million dollars and when you like compare really? it to like 15 million when you compare it to like be more but that's great when you compare it to like uh what the marvel movies that have like a hundred million dollar budgets and still like look terrible or just like not look terrible but look nowhere near as good as this it was it's like it's also the the setting they did so much and like I think a you know a twenty four does a really great job of including nature into their movies. I think That's it's true. like a signature. It's like a signature part of the production, or you know, 
and many of them is just like being incredibly beautiful outside and including nature into it. And this is like the green night. And it's, I mean, the green night, basically, if you want to like be like metaphorically, what is the green night? The green night like is a man that is also kind of a tree. And, he, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so there was like, thing, if you will. Yeah. And so they, they did such a great job of including uh, nature into this and just the, you know, the beauty of nature. And I, I thought that that was really well known. Before we go further, let me just roughly say, if you're not familiar with The Green Knight, it's been around for thousands of years, so there's no excuse uh, not to know about it. But uh, it's a story of a young man who has not yet become a knight, and he, he desires to be so. And a green knight, this very fantastical kind of figure, comes one day during Christmas and wants to play a game. He says, anyone who strikes a blow against me uh, what do they get? Do they get something? It well, that was the thing. Is like he he like lays down this this like riddle. Who is like whoever forces me, like whatever blow they strike, will have to meet me in one year hence. Right, and I will return that blow. Right, and then so like all of these <laughs> these go our ways respect, and then we will go our way. Yes, then we yeah. go our ways respecting one another in like trust and friendship were like right. the last the last yeah. couple words. And uh it's it's literally it's King Arthur is yeah. it's King Arthur at the round table, and there are the knights of the round table, and none of the knights step up, but Dev Patel, who is uh or Sir Sir Gawain, who is uh related to King Arthur, but isn't like kind of uh respected as being related to him steps up and then he slices off the head of the green knight and it's kind of immediately it's like wait why why <laughs> yeah. did he do that yeah and i that's a question that i've been returning to and i think that you know everyone has been returning to is like if he he heard that this will have to in one year hence, yeah. the blow will be returned and he's cut off his head. Right. So we've talked about this a lot. So I think this is worthy of discussion. <laughs> I, yeah. Like two things. One, he thought, well, he's he's desired. He wants to be a legend, too. So he thought he I have to make a bold move to impress everyone. I but agree. He also probably thinks, well, if I cut a head off, he's not going to. How can he do anything to me a year from now? His head's gone. He's done. I agree. I, th- I, 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 and I was, yes, I was with somebody who, too, who, and we were both like, well, why would he do that? And I was like, I think the conclusion is that that's what he thought too. That right, he thought yeah. that, okay, if I cut this guy's head off, then there's no way that he'll have to like return this. And also he says, like, remember what happens on this day. He wants to prove himself right. as a knight. And so yeah. he wants to like do this heroic act and he does it. Yeah. Little did he know that uh, he would still have to deal with that. Uh, but yeah, I was like, just to give him a little pinch, give him a little pinch on the arm. Then right. you guys are friends and right. you, know, you get a pinch on the arm in a year and you're good. Right. I was like a little slice on the wrist, you know, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> but then, so then after he slices the green knight's head off, right. um, the green knight picks up his head and he says, one year hence. And then he rides off on his horse laughing into the sunset. And I thought at that moment, I was like, you know, the rug is pulled from under your feet. A a tree man has shown up, got his head sliced off, and then ended up leaving on his horse laughing with his decapitated head. Who 
knows yeah. what is going to happen next. <laughs> I thought that, you know, it's like when you start with something that bizarre, yeah. where do you go? And it left me every single second of this movie being like, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Right. It was so unpredictable. And I think that that was like part of the brilliance of this movie is just like, when that precedent was set that like crazy stuff is happening, that does not make sense. And then it's just like, whatever crazy stuff happens, it, you don't know if it's going to make sense. You can't count on it making sense. And that kind of like eerie unpredictability really made this movie propulsive to me. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's really interesting how the movie moves along really well while at the same time being very i don't even want to call it slow it's just very thoughtfully paced and there's a lot of visual steps to take in so it goes at less than like a quick quick ride through the film but totally it's, but it's still it's full like and i being vaguely familiar with the legend i was like how are they gonna fill over two hours when with this poem essentially you know, the action I could sum up in a, in a minute. And then I was like, Oh, they did add a lot of stuff uh, from legends and they, but also that didn't matter. Like the, the fact that they moved it along while at the same time being very thoughtful about how quickly they go. And that is well, something I've noticed in thinking about a ghost story from David Lowry and thinking yeah. about ain't that body saints. He is really starting. I mean, not even starting. He's really established his style. And his style is very slow, very thoughtful. And when I left, somebody I was with said, it is shocking that they got money to make this as a mainstream yes. film sort I of. Totally. Yeah. You know, I was like, that was one thing that I wanted to say to you was like, this is the kind of movie that we both are like, we're just glad it exists. Right. You know, glad somebody gave $15 million to make this movie. Yeah. And they couldn't have used that money better. Um, when you were talking about, like, the pace of it, I, and it's like, and it is the, you said the action you can sum up in a minute. And it also, like, stays pretty true to a lot of the verse in yeah. the poem. And so the dialogue is, pro is like, is the book. You know, there's like there's there's not a ton like outside of like the actual poem. There's not a lot of t of dialogue really at all. And so like the kind of the thing that fills the space is visual. And David Lowry just like packs that with like really like every second of this movie, there is something visually pulling this movie along. Be it just like turning the camera upside down or like focusing on uh you know, focusing on nature, there's like the first scene, there is a goose that whaps oh, a donkey. Let me tell you, that was a great, that was a great part. Just watching them interact, these, these farm animals interact. And, and this it, is, yeah. and that's a thing that like A24 does a lot is like captures the emotion of animals. Did you watch, was the lamb preview at yours? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're seeing lamb. We're seeing lamb. That's 100%. That's 100%. We're seeing lamb. That is a movie made for me. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and in that preview, it's like there's a couple times where you see an animal have human emotion, and that is like the most eerie thing yeah. to see. 
Yeah. And it's like, how do you do that? And in that very first scene where they have that goose whapping the donkey, I'm like, what? You can't, you can't tell them to do that. <laughs> yeah, it just happened. And like, yeah, you just have to in. like sit around long enough for that to to happen. He's like, this is the beginning of the movie. This is the opening shot. What's right, right. it happen? What's it I don't care how we get this in the movie. It's going in. But it is like a. It's like so much of of that is of that like little weird oh, minutia yeah. that like really pulls this movie along. Um, I do want to like get into the into the characters because I was really I thought that the portrayal of King Arthur was such a tender portrayal. Yeah, that's you know uh, two things. One, they don't they even call him King Arthur; they just say King and Queen. So yeah, you kind I, of had I d- to put that together. Yeah, I guess so, uh, and that's fine. But what was really interesting about the visual look of the King and the Queen is they are at the beginning. I'm like, oh, they're going to be villains in this movie somehow because what? they're because they're a King and a Queen. Well, not just because that, because they're visually gaunt. Like yeah. the circles under their eyes, their teeth are yellow. And eventually I kind of realized, well, maybe this is just to indicate that they're on their last legs. Like they're nearing True. the end of their lives. And they're so dour and like, they, you know, they're not smiling and patting never, you on the back. He never like raises his voice yeah. above a whisper. He's got a great voice. The actor has a great yeah. voice for this. But, but then you see, oh, they're actually really, really fond of Gawain or Gawain. I always Gawain. say Gawain from when I was a kid. Uh, they're always, yeah. they're very fond of him and they're very kind to him. So I was kind of taken aback, like, oh, these are actually really benevolent figures here. Yeah, I mean, I and it is that like the the tenderness that King Arthur has that propels um, Sir Gawain. Yeah, and and I and I really loved that. I mean, I loved that scene in the beginning where. Um, you know, they kind of like establish Gawain as as a, a kind of a kid, you know, yeah. and kind of and kind of a vagrant. You know, he's like he's getting drunk on Christmas Eve, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. It's like <laughs> here we are, like the biggest drunk day of the year is Christmas Eve, and it's like of course that's what they're doing too. You know, like that that happened in the 14th century. Like yeah, it's just like it's just a little grittier, and uh, and so it's like. He's getting drunk. He like doesn't really have a place in society. He's around like the the round table, and he is like related to King Arthur. And then he they're like sitting at the thing. And the mom's witchcraft has something to do with this too, which is right. uh, which was like a very fun aspect about this. But when he pulls Sir Gawain up and says and like whispers that sweet nothings into his ear about like I. Want to, I have never recognized you, and it's Christmas so Day, nice. and, and I want to build bridges, so sit here. And he, like, sees this thing that Gawain doesn't see in himself, and that is, like, that. so then when the Green Knight comes in, then, like, Gawain is like, well, I want to prove myself to this guy who just, you know, who just saw something great in me. I need to prove that I am great. It was like, there's a bit of him that's like, that I felt was like, was doing it for, for Arthur to, you know, to live that the greatness that he saw. And so then he does it. And then there's a scene where Gawain or where King Arthur goes to Gawain and, and he has to like confront the fact that he has to go out and meet this guy. At first I was like, you know, 
is everybody just going to forget about this? Yeah. And everybody like, are going to remember? They're just going to like sweep it under the rug. But then there's like stories and there's like that little uh, puppeteering set where they're yeah. like, everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the city knows that Gowan has to go back to get his head chopped off. Yeah. And that is, I think, very funny. But uh, uh, then he knows that he has to go back and he's confronting it. And, and, uh, and King Arthur is like, is it so bad for me to see in you greatness? And Dev Patel, Gawain is like, says that he doesn't see it in, in himself. And, and this is why I love the Hobbit movies more than Lord of the Rings. Uh-oh. I, this is did, a real, real curveball. <laughs> didn't real see this one coming, did you, Kate Polly? Real curveball is, coming. What show is this? What are we talking about? <laughs> so this is exactly like you can see J.R.R. Tolkien take that, um, you know, take that's Gandalf. That's Gandalf saying that to Bilbo Baggins. Gandalf sees the greatness in Bilbo Baggins and says, hey, you don't see this within yourself, but I believe that you have greatness in you. And then he goes on a quest. I yeah. mean, it is like. You can see Tolkien just lift it from this very conversation. And I love that. I, I like I really felt like that drove the plot a lot was Arthur seeing this inside of Gawain and then Gawain needing to prove that. I have to admit, I, while you were talking, I was chuckling to myself, imagining you at midnight smoking cigarettes and making a manifesto about <laughs> uh, about the Hobbit. Uh, Hobbit is this. Way better than the Lord of the Rings. Much like, um, yeah, no, I totally get that. That makes sense. And I'm sure Joe Token did take a lot from legend. And so that makes perfect sense to me. Um, I will say, I do want to talk about, um, the, uh, uh, my favorite part of this film. Okay. And that, uh, there's a Fox in this movie. Okay. Yeah, for sure. There's a Fox in this movie. And I realized as soon as I saw the Fox, and then I realized he's going to come back. I was like, right. I think if you want me to like a movie, just put a fox in it. So easy. A talking fox, nonetheless. I mean, yeah, at some point he talks and that blew my mind. And But up to that point, I'm like, it's, first of all, I know this is not the most critical analysis of the film, but it reminded me a lot of my dog. Uh, it came <laughs> up, s- cuddled with him in the same way, just sort of curled up against the small of his back. Like, that's yes. that's grandpa. Um no, genuinely, that was such because it's such a dark movie. Not a lot of humor, not a lot of comic relief in the film. And I know true. The, the Fox is not really comic relief, but it's a very delightful element that comes in about halfway, two thirds of the way in. And uh, I really like that character. Well, I really like that character, too. And I think that that character was his mother. I can, well, they they, uh, they do even they do even sort of insinuate it with the voice that comes out at some point. It, cha- it modulates a bit, and you kind of hear this this caring right. tone. Definitely keeping an eye out for him, trying to help him and care for him. After I guess the mother's character intended this to be a way to get him an opportunity, because uh, she has a hand in it with the witchcraft at the beginning, an opportunity for him to make his name. But then he kind of takes it a little farther than everyone expects. There was so speaking of funny. Yeah. There was that you know, blowing a wad scene that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's true. Are we putting that in? Is that going to be in the podcast? <laughs> can we, Kenny, that's up for you to decide. Can we those? Can we say those things? I was very confused. So I do remember from the story the temptations of Gawain, and that was like a big thing. And I specifically remember it from 
Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I learned a lot about the knights from oh, the Holy funny. Grail. And then in school, I guess they taught me the versions. But I know that he there's these temptations for him. And uh, I was like, I thought he resisted the temptations. But I guess that's kind of up for debate in the scene that we saw. But right. she, she does at one point try to seduce him. And she does give him this belt that's supposed to really help him. And um, But she's this woman he comes across in a building uh, uh, where he's trying to find shelter sort of seduces tries to seduce him but also help him and the character is the same character as his love from the village which was a little confusing at first and then i realized it's supposed to increase the temptation because it's someone he has an affection for right or it's also an interpretation is that he just sees her that way because there's a temptation Mm, Um, but yeah he's he seemingly fails in a very visceral way and then gets dissed which is funny yeah i know um Okay, I want to talk about the end of the movie. Yeah. Everybody, put on your headphones if you have it, or take off your headphones, depending on how you're listening to this. Because uh, we are going to sp- do a spoily dish. Spoily dish. But as we said, the story has been around for thousands of years. <laughs> and, but I understand, right. it's not Twilight, so you, you may not have been accidentally exposed to this. Right. Um, America's public education system being what it is, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna, we're I gonna, never read this in school. I, I I was familiar. I don't know how I'm familiar with it. Probably in college, I guess. But oh wow, yeah, um, vaguely familiar. Okay, okay. I want to talk about the end. So Gawain goes to the Green Chapel to meet the Green Knight, and so he gets there, and then. Hilariously, I thought uh, the dude is just asleep, and then he has to like sit there for a while and like wait for him to wake up. I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. Wait, before um, we get in, before we keep going too deep, I just want to say the Foley artist that does all the sounds around the Green Knight should get an yeah. award. Oh, for just sure, because yeah. he's this tree creature. The creaking when he moves it sounds yeah. like a tree is just slowly being. It's really really nice. Yes, uh, and so then the the Green Knight does move, and then he's like. Oh, what day is it? Oh, you, <laughs> oh. you're here. You show. Oh, you're here. Oh, it's is it Christmas? And, he, and he's like, yeah, it is. He's like, all right, well, I better get to chopping. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so he's all business that green night. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And then he he goes to he goes to strike Gowan, and Gowan says, "Wait!" And he like he flinches, and he's not ready for it. And then he like tries to muster up the courage, and then he goes to it again, and then. Gawain just opes himself out of the situation. It just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he like runs away, cowardly, did not face the Green Knight. And then he he goes, and then th- I was, this is really unexpected for me. This like, w- were you expecting this part? No. No. I was okay. confused. Then, I was confused. But I was then confu- de- I was delightfully confused revealed, yeah. Yes, because I was like, and then we're like, 10 15 minutes into him like living out his life after this and i'm yeah. like what is going on here and i was like and even like the first time i was like this has lost me i have no idea what's going on but then he like he sees his life he like betrays the girl that he is with he marries someone else the kingdom is fallen his wife and child leave him he's left alone his child pulls- dies the child dies, he pulls the sash, his head falls off. Yeah, I loved it. 
and then his, I love that too. Yeah, yeah. So his his head fell off, and then he like awakens. And he's at the Green Knight again, like with he had like his eyes. He like saw his life in reverse, flash yeah. before his eyes. But it wasn't the life that he lived; it's the life that he would live in the future. Yeah. And then he says, "I'm ready for it." And then the Green Knight says, "Okay, off with your head." And uh, in that, the the first the first time that I saw the movie, I I came out of that and I was like, "Was that? Did Gawain see?" the rest see what it is like to get old and then lose the will to live oh that's what you thought okay see when that's I, what saw, I thought when i saw it i thought this is that was him projecting like if i am a coward in this moment which my whole life has been led up to being brave and if i live my the rest of my life knowing that i was a coward at this moment how will how, what will my decisions be going forward? And all his decisions going forward were the wrong decision. He left a woman he loved. He chose someone who was just more political. He went to war. He his kingdom fell. His son dies. So he sees how his life goes on after making this critical bad decision, which for anybody else would be a really good decision. Don't get your head chopped off. That seems yeah, like a yeah, good yeah. decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and this is why you are smarter than me. Okay, Polly. Because nice. <laughs> Kenny, can I get that like just in a <laughs> ringtone, sort of like a ringtone for my phone? <laughs> because I, I was like, honestly, I was walking home like distraught being like, if that is the send away that like growing old is so miserable that you accept <laughs> death. I was like, yeah. what kind of a message is that? And then I was like ruminating on it further. And I was like, oh, that's not, that's not like the life that he is going to live. That's the life that would, that would happen if he did yeah, the yeah, unknightly yeah, yeah. thing right, and did right. not do it. So I agree with you. And then he says he chooses to not live that life right. and do the nightly thing. And then he says, okay, I'm ready. And he is truly, and credit to Dev Patel in that moment. You see the fright in his yeah. eye. You see like the horror. And then like in the same shot, almost the same face, like, like almost basically just in his eyes, yeah, you see he that hardens, he is mm -hmm. like, he hardens and is Slips ready for it. it. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like that was, that was such a good betrayal of something like, it's almost like so, uh, to, um, to bring it to something personal I can compare it to is like when I was a kid and I had to jump off a rope swing. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> like, I was so scared. Wow. It looks so far out. I kept going. All right, I can't do it yet. Give me, give me a second. Like you're about to do something you are so scared of, and you're like, I'm ready. And then you're like, oh, I'm not ready. I will say the a funny moment that I would have loved to have seen, though it probably would not have been in keeping with this film, is if after the like, second or third time he tells the Green Knight to wait. If the Green Knight, who up till this point has been just very ominous and regal, <laughs> just yeah. threw his hands up and goes, Oh. Just, just gave like a quick, like, oh, seriously. I do think the night was kind of. I do think the green night was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yes, in the like, okay, like now with the chopping. Yeah. That was like that was a joke. Did he say uh, now with the chopping? He said, "Now I'm gonna get to chopping." When he said, "Like when," and he wakes up and is like, "Oh, is it December 25th?" That, I thought, yeah, like that's, that is a joke too. That's that's pretty good, but I do not recall. Now I'm gonna get to chopping. Yes, he says well, that. You saw it twice, so I believe you. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is pretty good. Okay, okay, and I, 
the end, you can kind of like read it as one or two ways. Yeah. I, you can read it as he says now, and he points and he says off with your head. And I think that you can see that. And the first time that I watched it and I, I, I'm not, I mean, it's intentionally vague, but, um, you can read that as being okay. Off with your head, like take your head and go off. Yeah. Or, and it's like, it's him being like, you accepted this, this is a game and you, and you honored the game and you did the thing like I did. And now you are free to go. Right. Or it could be, or you could read it as being like, you know, now I'm going to deliver that blow that I promised. Yeah. Right. What did you view well, it as? I remember, Does it even matter? I do think I remember in the in the story that that's when the Green Knight says doesn't chop his head off and says you've done you've fulfilled your duty that was impressive so I'm not going to take your life. Oh, okay. So having at least a vague recollection that that's what it was that's was my assumption. But when he when he cuts to black at that point in the film. I thought that's kind of smart because it's not very either way is not satisfying as an ending. I agree. But I know a lot of people will be like, oh, does he do it or not? And I genuinely think if those people saw that they did it or not, they wouldn't have had as good of an experience. I I think so, too. And uh, and I I was I was reading it like a little blurb with David Lowry and uh, and he's he was like they were like, you know, what happens at the end? And he was like, you know we're all going to die someday. So if he died, you know, if he died, then he died then. And if he was spared, then he was spared. But, right. you know, ultimately he dies. And it's not and the was point. Like, like the point was it's like not the he, point. Did, he he accepted it. And that was, so that's all you need. Right. Um, did you, oh, did you I say David Lowry? Did you say David Lowry? My personal friend, David Lowry? Yeah. Oh, no big Wait, deal. Your, your personal friend, David yeah. Lowry? Oh, I mean, oh, I, did, I didn't want to bring it up. I cannot believe that you waited 35 minutes into this podcast for that. I, I'll be honest. We're not personal friends. However, we <laughs> <laughs> he is a friend of the festival. He's been to our festival several times. I've met him and I did give him some t-shirts. So we did have a couple of uh, text, Got it. text exchanges. And so I feel like that qualifies wow. for me to say I'm at least a distant, distant acquaintance. I feel like it does too. Was he there for Ghost, <laughs> for ghost Story or what? He, no, he was here for Ain't Them Body Saints. And then okay. I believe he I came back the next year as a juror, which was really nice because oh, cool. he'd already done some big stuff. So it was really pleasant. And then, but he was really nice. I did get to chat with him briefly. It was right before he did uh, Pete's Dragon for Disney, which is a very different film than his other films. Well, he did Pete's Dragon and he has been, he's going to do, uh, I think, Peter Pan for, for Disney oh, wow. after this. So, so it is like. Yeah. It is interesting that he is kind of like fitting into this medieval realm. Like, I mean, he does it very well, yeah. but, uh, but also like, I loved ghost story. I did too. I genuinely think he's an imp- a really impressive filmmaker who's doing stuff within this mainstream structure. Now I'm not counting the Disney stuff, but these yeah. are three films that I can think of that are just so intensely independent, intensely artistic. Absolutely. But within this system of a you know bigger budget than you might expect, and with bigger stars, and uh, it gets a wider release than you would get for this movie if it wasn't 
you know, those totally. things. So, this, because, yeah, it's an impressive film to see in a multiplex. <laughs> I agree. And the same thing with, like, Ghost Story. It, it, like we had said at the beginning of, of the podcast, like, I'm just glad that this movie exists. I'm yeah. glad that we get to see something weird and that also it, like, even though its budget was relatively small, it was uh, so incredibly beautiful and, and didn't look like... Uh, you know, like it was under budget. It yeah. looked like it, like it is lavish and it I was is so beautiful. Shocked. When you said it was 15 million for green Knight, that seems wildly small considering what it looks like. Yes. So that's impressive. All right. Do you want to talk about what else we've been watching? I mean, what else have we? Yeah. Briefly. Yes. I, I do. mean, okay. Yeah. I think briefly too. Um, oh. I haven't watched that much. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. I I watched the new Space Jam. Oh yeah, how, how did that go go off for you? <laughs> it uh, it definitely like is not as good as the original Space Jam. Any any time that you do a sequel, it's just not as good. I mean, it's you know, uh, yeah. NBA basketball player goes to uh, Looney Tune Land to play a basketball game and you know, eventually wins. I mean, it's like, it's, it's so, it's so tough to like top that arc that we've already seen before, but I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it was. That's what Uh, Nicole said the same thing when she watched it. She goes, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone says. Everyone was harping on it for Warner brothers, like putting in all of their like franchises and everything they've done in the past. But it's like, have you seen the Animaniacs? Like they right. live on a Warner Brothers set. Like yeah. they talk about Warner Brothers franchises and properties. Like Warner Brothers and and even like old Looney Tunes cartoons. Like have like Casablanca will show up in a Looney Tunes you know right. film. Like that that's that's not foreign for Warner Brothers. So I do not fault them for for that. And I I felt like the 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 pushback against them doing that was like kind of bizarre to me. I saw a little bit of it, and um, I will say this. This is not really a controversial statement, but LeBron James is far and away a better actor than Michael Jordan. Uh, oh, by a I, mile. I think they're probably the same. Neither of what? them are like winning any awards, but... Hard I disagree. I, I, LeBron James is a way more natural actor. And and then I also want to harken back to the movie Trainwreck, where he plays Bill Hader's best friend. I don't know if you ever saw that, but he's no. genuinely funny in that movie. And they talk, it was a lot of talk. Bill Hader said, who would have thought LeBron James, he's super talented and he also gets to be kind of funny and that's not okay. I, yeah. I, I recommend Trainwreck to, to just for his performance, honestly. So okay. funny. But yeah, I like I, I don't I don't disagree that he is not, you know, terrible but i didn't think that michael jordan was terrible in original space jam uh, that's another that's another podcast all right all right all right all right but i i didn't think it was bad as everybody said it was i thought there was like some you know i thought they made the plot um the dynamic between lebron james and his son i thought that was legit interesting i thought yeah. it was and like algae rhythm the the villain i i think that that all made sense there was like nothing about it that seemed like out of place or like strange it was it was a little busy but yeah. aside from you know aside from that it was, it was, i think it was a solid five out of ten <laughs> okay yeah that's fine that's acceptable um i don't think, i don't know if a five out of ten has ever been described as a solid five out of ten <laughs> <laughs> 
hard five out of ten. Hard um, five. We'll give it a six. Yeah, we'll sure. Get, we'll, we'll bump we'll it. Round it up. Right. I yeah. I've done something that I I'm I'm embarrassed by, but I'm also gonna I'm dedicated to doing this. I am going to explore the films of Melissa McCarthy a little bit further. Okay, I mean the that last one that we saw was Thunder not Force. bad. It is Thunder Force has was such pretty good. such a low rating when you look at, at all the reviews. It's unfair. A, it's unfair because it's it's because they're. I mean, I understand they're looking at it as a movie as a whole. It's not that original, et cetera, et cetera. It is so funny though, and it's a comedy that is very funny. So the thing is, I love Melissa McCarthy when she's on SNL. When I've seen her in some of her early films, she and uh, uh, Bridesmaids. She's yeah. a standout comedian of the time she is. in my mind. So, yeah, I agree. And after Thunder Thunder Force, I'm like, this is a movie that everyone expects to be bad, but it's genuinely funny. And I'm like wondering yeah. if all these movies of hers that have gotten panned don't have some genuinely funny stuff in them. Yeah, so, I'm and there's several. Project. Yeah, there's several. And so yesterday as I was working, I watched The Boss, which has got like a 2.3 on, uh, sure. on, on Letterboxd. Sure. Okay, so that one's not good. This is a bad example. All right, all right, it's all right. not good as a movie, but it is. She is so funny in it, and even other people in the film have some really great lines. There's like great writing from her and her husband, who like typically. That was Thunder creepy. Force. It was like the yeah. jokes were good. Yeah, the jokes were good. The boss is not as good as Thunder Force, but it genuinely has some funny stuff, and it's worth watching for some of these interactions. And it's you know, it's there's one scene where it's a full on like. It's essentially two Girl Scout troops or versions of Girl Scout troops, and they're mm. and they're the heads of them in a full on street brawl. And she clotheslines a little girl at one point. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is not which is fantastical. I don't I don't encourage clotheslining children, right. but for a slightly edgier comedy, I laughed very hard at that. There's a full on street brawl between Girl Scouts. Very funny. Um, but yeah, there's some really good stuff in it. So I think I'm going to watch them just to find those nuggets of, of the funny bits in some of these movies that maybe are kind of average overall. I I think that is like a perfect K-Poly project. I think so. I, too. I feel yeah. good about it. Great. I can't wait to hear about it. Um, all right. That is Green Knight on Cinebuds. Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Good luck, Kenny. <laughs> we, uh, we get a handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Oh. Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician and author Brett Newski. Thank you, Brett Newski. Who News. I saw on the street while I was walking to Avalon to watch oh, the Green Knight. Oh, wow. Spotting. Uh, Newsk spotting. Newsk spotting. And... Uh, we get support from Associated Bank and Pizza Man. Oh, couldn't do this without you. Thank you. And also from our members from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. You're the light of our lives. And we could not do this without the Valent Knight himself, Ooh, Christopher Pollard. Oh, Justin. My knight in shining armor. Oh, you get out of here. I'm going to kiss you from atop a horse. Okay, please That's do. That's a reference. That's a reference to the film. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, bye. Bye.